Remember the 90s? When MTV still meant music television? When people still bought CDs? When legends like Chris Cornell and Dimebag Daryl still rocked the earth? Well, you can go back to those halcyon years regularly with Sounds Like Teen Spirit, the ultimate 90s radio show podcast. On each episode, I review and play from the latest albums by decade-defining artists like Pearl Jam, Megadeth, and Primus, and discuss current developments with those artists, all amid a playlist of 90s and 90s-adjacent music, of course. Again, that sounds like Teen Spirit. New episodes premiere Sundays, 8 to 10 p.m. on 89.9 KBGA Missoula, and past episodes are archived at kbga.org teen-spirit. Hey, it's Ramsey. Say, 
like to drink gin nirvana kicking off this program with radio friendly unit shifter live at the great western forum in la december 30th 1993 off the 2023 30th anniversary deluxe remaster of in utero that was from one of two previously unreleased live sets from the in utero tour included on this year's edition of the album Alas, those are the only new additions to the 30th anniversary reissue, and considering the two sets took place roughly a week apart within the same tour, they are more or less identical. But then again, what more did you expect? Do you think there are still fully finished, never-before-heard Nirvana songs lingering in their vault at this point? Considering Nirvana were an active band for less than seven years and have now been defunct for nearly 30, I have to imagine that particular wellspring is pretty much tapped out. I mean, in 2015, they mined Kurt Cobain's home demo tapes, which mostly just consist of him goofing off and doing warm-ups, for releasable content to tie into the montage of Heck documentary. That should tell you all you need to know. Anyway, welcome to the award-winning Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. I'm your commiserating host, Ian. This episode's got tunes from the likes of Sponge, De La Soul, Audio Slave, Manic Street Preachers, Duran Duran, The Muffs, Dream Theater, Wu-Tang Clan, Ween, and Rocket from the Crypt. Plus, I'm going to be reviewing and playing a song apiece from the new Prong album, State of Emergency, and new Dogstar album, Somewhere Between the Power Lines and Palm Trees, both released on October 6th, and the new Blink-182 album, One More Time, released on October 20th. I'll start with Blink. To say that Blink-182's new reunion album with vocalist-slash-guitarist Tom DeLonge is a pivotal one for them would be putting it mildly. 
The classic trio of DeLong, bassist vocalist Mark Hoppus, and drummer Travis Barker delivered some of the most iconic pop-punk albums of all time around the turn of the century, namely 1999's Enema of the State, 2001's Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, and 2003's Self-Titled. However, the trio hadn't given themselves much of a chance to continue that successful run of albums over the two decades since. After months of infighting, Blink ended up going on hiatus from the mid to late aughts, and though its three members were able to mend fences between them long enough to put out a new album and EP in the early 2010s, it's undeniable that a lot of fans took this momentary piece for granted. Before long, DeLong would quit the band amid another petty squabble, and for the next several years, he'd be replaced by Alkaline Trio frontman Matt Skiba. The band ultimately recorded and released two albums with Skiba, but like most other instances of bands attempting to push through a major personnel change, it just didn't feel the same. In the time since DeLong's 2014 departure, the legacy of those aforementioned turn-of-the-century albums only continued to grow, fans really came to miss the style and chemistry of the classic trio, and DeLong actually seemed to regret his actions rather quickly and maintained for years that the other two guys would take him back someday. That day finally arrived in 2021, after Hoppus's brush with cancer paved the way for a monumental reconciliation between himself and DeLong, and from there, the definitive Blink-182 was restored once again. Although the new album's title, One More Time, appears to imply that it will be the final Blink album, it's actually intended to denote a new beginning. You see, the classic lineup has gotten back together one more time, and there isn't going to be another time after this because the trio's bond has evolved to the point where they won't lose sight of their friendship ever again. To quote the album's emotional title track, it shouldn't take a sickness or airplanes falling out the sky, that latter bit being a reference to a 2008 private plane crash of which Barker was among the only two survivors, which served as the catalyst for the band's 2009 reunion. On that note, the album as a whole represents a newfound lyrical maturity for Blink. Make no mistake, these are still the same three guys who essentially ruled Warp Tour back in their day and sang Huff the Dog, and on some level they will always be those guys. But although One More Time dabbles in its fair share of juvenile humor and youthful debauchery, it's all juxtaposed with a lot of sobering reflection. The album has equal footing in the past and present, seemingly saying that although it's fun to crack stupid jokes and party like you're never gonna die, growing up is both a necessity and an inevitability. Furthermore, as the aforementioned title track suggests, there's a good deal of reflection on the trio's relationship, to the point where writing the album had to have been incredibly therapeutic for them. The band demonstrate a renewed zeal and appreciation for what they had during their glory years, as well as regret over all the quality time together that they missed out on due to what they've now come to recognize as trivial bullshit. Lyrically speaking, this is easily Blink's most personal album yet, and it's bound to strike a chord with any longtime fan that's followed them through thick and thin. From a musical standpoint, One More Time sounds like an amalgam of Blink's entire discography, give or take a few albums. It does not feel like a follow-up to 2019's Nine, the band's previous album and last one with Skiba, which leaned more heavily into the pop side of the pop-punk equation, nor does it feel like a follow-up to 2011's Neighborhoods, the last one with DeLong, which experimented with alt-rock elements courtesy of Angels and Airwaves, a side project DeLong started during Blink's initial hiatus. If anything, it's like a follow-up to 2003's Self-Titled that attempts to throw back more to the albums that led up to it. In other words, a classic-sounding Blink album with modern Blink production. 
As is usually the case with Blink albums, the song variety on this one is above average for punk. Still, not all of the album's 17 tracks justify their inclusion on the track list, and a couple of them in particular feel derivative of prior Blink songs, but the bulk of the material here is pretty vital at least. Notable songs include Anthem Part 3, a rousing album opener and belated sequel to a pair of songs from Blink's turn-of-the-century output, When We Were Young, which may actually be my favorite from the album due to its immensely catchy guitar riff and vocal melody, More Than You Know, which sounds like a bona fide self-titled cut and boasts one of the album's best hooks, Terrified, which owes its wholly unique sound to its origins with the short-lived Barker and DeLong side project Boxcar Racer, and closing track Childhood, which may be a little too weird for its own good, but certainly stands out from the flock and ends the album on an undeniably lovely note. Ultimately, even if One More Time isn't quite an album of the year contender, it is nonetheless a rather strong quintessential Blink album that should largely satisfy all the longtime fans who are eagerly awaiting its release. Alright, next I'm going to play the song I named as my potential favorite, When We Were Young. Honestly, I'm kind of stunned this one hasn't been issued as a single yet. I guess I must be ahead of the curve. Well, enjoy!
G H I J K B G A L O F O S T U V X Y Your Z. So what's up, man? Cool it, man. Chillin', chillin'. Yo, you know I had to call. You know why, right? Why? Because, yo, I never ever called and asked you to play something, right? Yeah. You know what I want to hear, right? What you want to hear? I want to hear that Wu Tang joint. Wu Tang again? Ah, uh, yeah, again and again. <laughs> Slave 
ain't Aunt Mabel. Be doing all the sin like Cain did Abel. Now they money's getting stuck to the gum under the table. That's what you get when you misuse what I invent. Your empire falls and you lose every cent. But trying to blow up a scrub. Now that thought is just as right as a 20 watt light bulb. Should've pumped it when I rocked it. They get so stingy, they got short arms and deep pockets. This goes on in some companies with majors that scared to death to pump these. First of all, who's your A&R? A mountain climber who plays an electric guitar. But he don't know the meaning of dope when he's looking for a suit and tie rap that's cleaner than a bar soap. And I'm the dirtiest thing in sight. Matter of fact, bring out the girls and let's have a mud fight. The best protect your neck. The best protect your neck. The best protect your neck. Shut without words, I try up and blow away. Say that we were born so out of touch. And when we talk, we say things that don't mean anything. I hear your voice, but you're so far away.
Smashing Pumpkins with In Lieu of Failure off their 2023 album Autumn Act 3. The Smashing Pumpkins recently parted ways with longtime guitarist Jeff Schroeder. Late last month, Schroeder announced his exit from the band with a heartfelt statement reflecting on the circumstances that led to his recruitment and all the memories he'd made in the time since before ultimately disclosing that he wanted to, quote, make some space to explore a slightly different path. His statement was shared on the Pumpkins' social media accounts alongside a short statement from the remaining members, which reads, We thank Jeff for his ceaseless dedication to the band and our great fans. Words cannot express our gratitude and appreciation for the friend he is and being there for Smashing Pumpkins in the good times and the tough times too. So in a nutshell, the split appears to have been straightforward, amicable, and drama-free. For those of you not particularly well-versed in the inner workings of the Pumpkins, Jeff Schroeder was essentially Billy Corgan's right-hand man for most of the band's second wave thus far. He first joined in 2007 as a replacement for founding guitarist James Eha, but though he ultimately wasn't involved in the recording of the band's 2007 album Zeitgeist, he was present for the entire tour in support of it. Before long, his reliability earned him a promotion from touring member to official member, and for the next decade or so, he was the only constant in the band aside from Corgan amid an ever-changing roster of musicians. The Pumpkins lineup finally stabilized in 2018 with the return of Eha and original drummer Jimmy Chamberlain, but although Schroeder was now sharing the band with the guy he was initially tapped to replace, he stayed on for the next five years as a third guitarist. Schroeder has recorded on everything the Smashing Pumpkins have released since 2009, starting with the abandoned piecemeal album project Tear Garden by Kaleidoscope, and concluding with the recent triple album Autumn, whose three discs were issued one at a time between late 2022 and mid-2023. Sure, he had no hand in Melancholy or Siamese Dream or any of the other classic albums from the band's original run, but he was a valuable asset to the Pumpkins for the last 16 years, making him just about as long-standing a member as both Eha and Chamberlain. The Smashing Pumpkins have not yet confirmed what they'll be doing in light of Schroeder's absence, but I imagine they will merely continue with Corgan and Eha serving as the only two guitarists, just as they were in the 90s. Perhaps they will make themselves a quartet again by hiring a new bassist. They have not had an official bassist since 2014. Anyway, the Pumpkins weren't the only band to lose a longtime non-original member over the month or so since my last podcast episode. In early November, Guar saw the exit of guitarist Brent Perguson, who had portrayed the character of Pustulus Maximus since 2012. Perguson issued a statement on the day of his departure, and though it doesn't get into the specifics of what made him decide to leave, he does confirm that the split was amicable and that he'll still be creatively involved with the band to some degree. I'm assuming that, in his place, Guar will hire a new guitarist to embody Postulus Maximus, as they only ever seem to retire their characters when the musician portraying them dies in their service. Such as they did for Corey Smoot, who served as the band's previous guitar character, Flatus Maximus, from 2002 until his untimely death in 2011. Finally, during the same week in November, Slipknot announced that they had fired drummer Jay Weinberg, who first joined in 2014 as a replacement for Joey Jordison. The band have not divulged what exactly prompted Weinberg's removal, and his own statement on the matter does little to clear things up. It's possible he doesn't even know the reason. But this is the second longtime member that Slipknot have mysteriously parted ways with this year, following keyboardist Craig Jones in June. Sure, Jones had been a member for almost 20 years longer than Weinberg, but the latter was still involved with them for nearly a decade and recorded on three of their seven albums to date. 
At this point, I just have to ask, what in the hell is going on with Slipknot this year? It's like, now that they've reached the end of their career-spanning contract with Roadrunner Records, they've become completely lost. Methinks they need to sign a new contract with someone, anyone, before they unravel any further. Anyway, before the Smashing Pumpkins, I played Live Here Without You by Sponge off their 1999 album New Pop Sunday, Protect Your Neck by Wu-Tang Clan off their 1993 album Enter the Wu-Tang, parentheses 36 Chambers, Original Fire by Audio Slave off their 2006 album Revelations, and Irresistible Force by Jane's Addiction off their 2011 album The Great Escape Artist. Once again, you're listening to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. To like this show on Facebook, go to facebook.com SLTS2. And to hear this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, go to kbga.org teen-spirit. It's always a drag whenever a band parts ways with key personnel. That's why it's important to remember that it goes both ways. Sometimes, classic members come back. Late last month, Dream Theater announced a reunion with original drummer Mike Portnoy, who had been out of the band for the last 13 years. Around September 2010, Portnoy wanted for Dream Theater to take a break so that he could pursue other projects. However, the remaining members weren't keen on the idea, so in response, Portnoy quit. At the time, he was touring with Avenged Sevenfold as a replacement for their original drummer, Jimmy the Rev Sullivan, who died in late 2009. By all accounts, he was expecting, or at least hoping, to be hired as their new permanent drummer, but they ended up going a different way. It didn't take long at all for Portnoy to try and return to Dream Theater, but by that point, the band had moved on and declined to take him back, as they were perfectly happy with his replacement, Mike Mangini, and didn't want to just cast him aside, considering he left his tenured teaching position at Berklee College of Music to join them. Over the years since, Portnoy kept himself busy with various small-scale projects, but he never stopped pining for his old flame. He notably stated in a 2013 interview that he would rejoin Dream Theater, quote, in a heartbeat, and that even though he felt the band had permanently closed the door on him, his door would always remain open. However, the band's position remained firm and unyielding as they continued to tour and record with Mangini, and this was still the case as recently as a year ago. In October 2022, Portnoy joined Dream Theater guitarist John Petrucci on stage in Providence, Rhode Island during a stop on the tour in support of the latter's new solo album. Fans immediately began speculating that this might signify an impending reunion between Dream Theater and Portnoy, but Petrucci quickly shot down the rumors, explaining that this show had absolutely nothing to do with Dream Theater and that the band was still as committed to Mangini as they'd ever been. I have no idea what changed over the past year, let alone how or why, but on October 25th, 2023, Dream Theater officially announced that Mangini was out and Portnoy was back in. In an early November interview, Mangini shed a little bit of light on the decision, implying that it was more or less made without him, but he ultimately concluded that, quote, people are where they need to be, and expressed pride over his legacy of 12 years and 5 studio albums with Dream Theater. At least he's got something else going on in the meantime, having just released his debut solo album, Invisible Signs, on November 11th. Regardless of how things may have shaken down, it's unquestionably a victory for Dream Theater to have Mike Portnoy back in their ranks. 
Portnoy is objectively and certifiably one of the goats of rock and metal drumming, and arguably Dream Theater's most talented instrumentalist, which is no small feat when your bandmates are John Petrucci, John Myung, and Jordan Rudis. Once, while stoned off my gourd during my college years, I decided to watch a video of Portnoy tracking the drums in the studio for one of my favorite Dream Theater cuts, Panic Attack, and needless to say, I had to pick my jaw up off the floor after it was over. At one point, about halfway through the song, Portnoy's mic became dislodged amid a particularly demanding passage, and he moved it back into place without missing a beat in a nigh-undetectable motion. I also happened to see Avenged Sevenfold live during the window in which Portnoy was touring with them. To hear his drumming on a record is one thing, to watch him at work is entirely another. There's no doubt in my mind that Portnoy's first album with Dream Theater in nearly 15 years will be coming in 2024. The band have never taken much more than three years at most between albums to date. It's been a little over two since their last one, A View from the Top of the World, and they've previously confirmed a new album is in the cards for next year, so call it a sure thing. In celebration of Mike Portnoy returning to Dream Theater, as well as the impending reunion album, here's the aforementioned Panic Attack, off the 2005 album Octavaria.
This portion of KBGA is brought to you by Imagination Brewing Company. By supporting over 1,700 community events and its educational center, Imagination brews handcrafted beer to make a positive impact on Missoula and beyond. For more information about what's on tap, weekly live music offerings, or to reserve the center, call 406-926-1251 or visit imaginationbrewing.com.
Jake the Snake Roberts. Who gives a damn about those call letters? KBGA, KGBA, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know where the music's at, don't you? Stupid.
the Candyman. The Candyman can.
Guns N' Roses with There Was a Time off their 2008 album Chinese Democracy. The slow rollout of new Guns N' Roses songs continues. It all began in August 2021, about a week before their legendary performance at Washington Grizzly Stadium, when GNR surprise released their first new song in 13 years, and first to feature Slash and Duff McKagan in 27, Absurd, a reworking of an unused Chinese democracy track originally known as Silkworms. It was followed up roughly a month and a half later with the single Hard School, another Chinese democracy leftover, and the two singles were compiled with a pair of recent live tracks onto an EP released in February 2022, also titled Hard School. Naturally, the sudden emergence of two new Guns N' Roses tracks at a point when most people had long given up waiting sent the fanbase into a tizzy. Could a new GNR album with Slash and Duff finally be imminent? Alas, no. Slash addressed the subject in an early 2022 interview where he basically cautioned fans not to hold their breath, revealing that the semi-reunited band still had yet to actually start writing any all-new material. Though he did say the band would like to put out a new album eventually, in the meantime they were only planning on reworking and releasing additional Chinese democracy outtakes for the foreseeable future. He'd go on to suggest that the next pair of singles would be out in time for GNR's June 2022 tour. Of course, that didn't happen, but we did ultimately get another new tune more recently. Perhaps, a strange piano-based mid-tempo number was issued as a single in August 2023. This one's... alright. They can't all be hard school, I guess. Its Chinese democracy origins are more apparent than they are on any of the other recent singles. Yes, even absurd, which I think sounds too harsh to ever truly fit in on Chinese democracy. As for the next new GNR song, it's already been named and dated, and it's almost here. The next one is titled The General, and it's scheduled for release as the B-side to the 7-inch vinyl version of Perhaps on December 8th. It was already delayed from its original street date of October 27th, but the band have since confirmed that the vinyl single is finished and ready, so you can rest assured it won't be any later. Though I don't imagine the studio cut of The General will emerge in any form, digital or otherwise, before the 8th, the band premiered the song live earlier this month at the last two stops on their 2023 tour. If you can't wait another three weeks to hear the studio cut, you could listen to the song now via fan shot footage from GNR's latest two concerts, but as someone who has already done so, I can attest that a little patience would pay off here. The General is certainly an interesting and layered song, and I don't think the bootleg recordings really do it justice. Its verses are light, atmospheric, and even a little psychedelic, replete with orchestral strings and Axl Rose crooning in a manner reminiscent of Jeff Tate from Queensryche. Then, each time it gets to the chorus, the guitars swell up and that croon turns into a full-blown wail. Based on what I've heard, I can tell that the studio mix for this is probably going to end up being quite epic. I'll be sure to keep filling you in on any notable developments with future Guns N' Roses music, and hey, I might even play the general on an episode of the program in the near future. Anyway, before GNR, I played Candyman by Primus off their 2014 album Primus and the Chocolate Factory with the Fungi Ensemble. All Over the World by the Pixies off their 1990 album Bossa Nova. Bring Us Bullets by Rocket from the Crypt off their 2002 album Live from Camp X-Ray. And Electric Barbarella by Duran Duran off their 1997 album Madazaland. 
You're still listening to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. To like the show on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash SLTS2. And to hear this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, go to kbga.org slash teen-spirit. Alright, next I'm going to review and play a song from the new Prong album, State of Emergency. Prong have always been a metal trio revolving around vocalist, guitarist, and songwriter Tommy Victor. And when I say revolving, what I really mean is heavily, entirely, ceaselessly revolving. The band's bass and drum positions have changed hands an unfathomable number of times, occasionally even multiple times within one album cycle. True to form, the new Prong album State of Emergency was recorded with an entirely different rhythm section from that of its most immediate predecessor. Though current bassist Jason Christopher has held down that spot for most of the past decade, he was briefly out of the band during the recording of 2017's Zero Days. And Griffin McCarthy, the person who tracked the drums for State of Emergency, first joined the band in 2022 and has since been replaced. It's a good thing Prong have Victor as a constant, because he is most certainly the factor that has enabled them to keep putting out killer albums well past the point where most other bands in their position would have fallen apart. And yes, as I'm sure you've already put together, their latest offering is indeed a killer album. State of Emergency is brazenly, relentlessly heavy through and through, and yet each song sounds fully distinct from all the rest. That's not an easy feat to pull off on a metal album, but when you also consider that all these different songs are worthwhile in their own way, the feat becomes even more impressive. This album runs the full gamut of Prong's signature thrash, groove, and industrial hybrid sound, and even neatly expands upon it in certain spots. Right out of the gate, it demonstrates that it means business with intensely thrashy opener, The Descent. The impact of this one is comparable to that of For Dear Life opening Prong's 1990 sophomore album Beg to Differ, in that it wastes no time hooking listeners and assertively assuring them that good stuff lies ahead. Next up is State of Emergency's title track, which makes for an enticing change-up with its pure, Fear Factory-esque industrial sound. The third track, Breaking Point, which you may have heard me play on the program back in February after its release as the album's lead single, hits like a classic early 90s prong cut, with a memorable main riff built around squealy pinch harmonics. It is followed by the album's second single, Non-Existence, a more contemporary-sounding number that somewhat evokes prong's 1996 album, Rude Awakening. Track number five, Light Turns Black, rewinds the clock again with a dirty, choppy sound that, to me, feels like a cross between Helmet and Early Machine Head. Its immediate follow-up, Who Told Me, seems to continue in that same vein at first, but it quickly gives way to a thrashy hook that ranks among the album's very best. From there, Prong takes its foot off the accelerator for a spell, beginning with track seven, Obeisance. This one grooves along at a more methodical pace, armed with a chugging guitar riff and melodic chorus. The eighth track, Disconnected, is the album's most accessible song and could potentially become a crossover hit on hard rock radio if Prong were inclined to release it as a single. Track nine, Compliance, is the album's slowest burn, but packs no less of a wallop than any of its brethren. It boasts even chuggier guitars than the aforementioned obeisance and pairs them nicely with a droning, doomy chorus. After that one, the thrash makes a triumphant return on Back, parentheses, NYC, a rowdy tribute to New York-style hardcore that would undoubtedly stir up the mosh pit at any prong show where it's played. Finally, State of Emergency caps itself off on a high with a cover of Rush's Working Man. 
This one is surprisingly faithful to the original for the verses and choruses, but when it gets to the instrumental break in the middle, the change of genre really starts to transform the song. It's an excellent cover, and dare I say I like it even more than any of the ones featured on Prong's 2015 covers album, Songs from the Black Hole. All in all, not only is State of Emergency a particularly well-rounded, robust, and satisfying Prong album, but I think it may also be my favorite metal album of the year so far. Sorry, Metallica. Alright, next up I've got the thrashy rager who told me to bring down the house, and also burn it down. Enjoy! It's not true! They want you to lie, demand it of you, aren't true! You have to believe the narcissist you, you are told! You have no mind, no mind of your own, you are told! The only way to see it, you get out of us! the radio station college radio 89.9 fm a little weirdo wasted sitting in a bedroom at the home of mama and never get into job he's feeling all so angsty and never lift a finger only thinks of one thing that's about 
This is Silver Sprocket, host of Something Else, live every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. right here on KBGA Missoula 89.9 FM. I feature avant-garde, electroacoustic, free jazz, and more creative music every week. You'll get to hear advanced new releases straight from the artists and record labels before anybody else, and extensive interviews with the artists themselves. How about you give Something Else a try? Live every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. on KBGA Missoula, 89.9 FM, and streaming at kbga.org. Greetings, girl, and welcome to my world of phrasing right up to bat. It's the daisy age, and you're about to walk top stage, so wipe your lottoes on the mat. Hip-hop love this is, and don't mind when I quiz your involvement before the sun. But clear your court, cause this a one-man sport, and who's better for this than plug one? Plug don't one. have to worry about me squashing other deals, cause they've already been squished. Freeze a frame of our moves the same, wish we can continue right behind the bush. You'll stay with me, I know this, but not because of all my earthly treasures, or regardless to the fact that I'm possibly loose, but because... This dance to introduce myself as the chosen one to speak. Let me lay my hand across yours and aim a kiss upon your cheek. The name's Pluck Two, and from the soul I bring you the daisy of your choice. May it be filled with a pleasure principle in circumference to my voice. About those other jennies I reckoned with, lost them all like a homework excuse. This time the magic number is two, cause it takes two, not three, to seduce. My destiny of love is brought to an apex. Sex is a mere molecule. In this world of lust that I have for you, it's true, true.
it's time to let this rhyme style get somewhat poured in the mold. Hold my hand, we'll pick my plantation of daisies for a bouquet of soul. Like right at the cut of a rim. Take it as filled to the rim as in brim. Squeeze your stoop like Betty Boop, then make camel alphabet soup and spell plug ones within. Forward marches to say when transistors will play. Coming to bed is the move. Dolby sound will be then top crown when I put the needle into your groove. I got a good thing, and in full swing, full swing. I show this in gift, words or letters, but even without those three, I know you'd be close to me, cause... Again, and the soul that I send is taking steps to reach your heart. Any moment you feel alone, I can fill up your empty part. We can ascend till we reach daylight heaven, and in a spin we'll hit the top ten. Then we could meet Mr. Stucky and Pops Brother Lucky will preach. Let the wedding, the wedding. Shot by an arrow of Cupid through a string of a G cleft. My dear, I claim your death. And if you could hear me, by golly G, true boy is ready for what you possess. We could live in my plug two home. And on Mars where we could be all alone And we make a song for two picture perfect things And I sing of how
Don't get too close to my fantasy. Don't be afraid to clutch the hand of your creator. Stare into the lion's eyes, and if you taste the candy, you'll get to the surprise. Oh, don't get too close to my fantasy. Don't be afraid to clutch the hand of your creator. Stare into the lion's eyes, and if you taste the candy, you'll get to the surprise. Ah! <laughs> it's time to get tuned up. Hold on to your lug nuts, it's time for an overhaul! 889.9 FM. Shut down. 
Homecoming, off their 2004 album American Idiot. Green Day will be back with a new studio album early next year. That album has been titled Saviors, and it's scheduled for release on January 19th. Its lead single, The American Dream is Killing Me, was issued during the last full week of October, and the following week, a second song titled Look Ma, No Brains was released. Both songs represent a more traditional-sounding Green Day compared to their previous album, 2020's Father of All Mother Cuffers. In fact, they kind of feel like a throwback to Green Day's 2000s, a.k.a. the band's politically charged rock opera phase. The American Dream is Killing Me particularly feels like a lost cut from 2009's 21st Century Breakdown, and Look Ma No Brains, despite sounding closer to an early 90s Green Day track than pretty much anything else they've put out this century, would have felt right at home on American Idiot thanks to its contemporary production values. It feels rather surreal for me to be using the word throwback in reference to the American Idiot slash 21st Century Breakdown era, considering it was a radical reinvention of Green Day at the time, but I guess that's where we're at in 2023. Honestly, I think I'd be down for another album in that vein right around now. However, it appears that Saviors is not actually gonna be a politically charged rock opera, but at the very least, it will still be politically charged. In a statement coinciding with the album's lead single, Green Day describes the album as follows. Saviors is an invitation into Green Day's brain, their collective spirit as a band, and an understanding of friendship, culture, and legacy of the last 30-plus years. It's raw and emotional, funny and disturbing. It's a laugh-at-the-pain-weep-in-the-happiness kind of record. Honesty and vulnerability. What is Saviors about, you ask? Power pop, punk, rock, indie triumph. Disease, war, inequality, influencers, yoga retreats, alt-right, dating apps, masks, mental health, climate change, oligarchs, social media division, free weed, fentanyl, fragility, dot dot dot. Well, that certainly sounds like an awful lot of ground to cover over 15 tracks in roughly 45 minutes, but I'm encouraged by what I've heard of Saviors thus far, and think it could end up being Green Day's best album since 2009. Yes, I probably like 21st Century Breakdown more than you did. I intend to review and play from the new album during my first new podcast episode of 2024, so look out for that within the next few months. Anyway, before Green Day, I played Don't Get Too Close to My Fantasy by Ween off their 1992 album Pure Guava, I Know by De La Soul off their 1989 debut Three Feet High and Rising, People Give In by Manic Street Preachers off their 2018 album Resistance is Futile, and Weird Boy Next Door by The Muffs, off their 2014 album Whoop-dee-doo. And that about wraps up a freewheeling episode of Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. I've been your host, Ian. I'm closing out this episode with my review and a song from the new Dogstar album, Somewhere Between the Power Lines and Palm Trees. Let's not beat around the bush here. Dogstar is a band that lives and dies by its involvement from Keanu Reeves. There's no denying that much of the limited attention they got during their initial run came from the novelty of seeing the burgeoning action star rock a bass. Furthermore, when Reeves' acting career became too big to accommodate Dogstar, the band broke up because I think deep down they all knew they'd be dead in the water without him. Whether or not that's actually a fair assessment is subject to debate, but from where I'm standing, Dogstar seems like far more than the Keanu Reeves vanity project it's sometimes reduced to. 
For starters, Reeves appears to possess a genuine, long-standing interest in musicianship and co-founded the band in 1991, back when he was still relatively anonymous. He also evidently tried to keep Dogstar going for as long as he possibly could, as the band's breakup didn't occur for more than three and a half years after his star-making turn in The Matrix, and he probably could have staved it off even longer if he wasn't tapped to shoot back-to-back -back sequels. Finally, just because Dogstar ceased to be an active band for two decades doesn't mean they were lying dormant the whole time. Even in the wake of their then-final October 2002 gig in Japan, the core trio of Reeves, guitarist-slash-vocalist Brett Domrose, and drummer Robert Mailhouse have continued to periodically meet up for jam sessions at the latter's home in Silver Lake. These weren't undertaken out of any desire for fanfare or publicity, or any intent to turn out a commercial product. They were essentially just three friends hanging out and playing together purely out of love for music and each other's company. Dogstar likely would have continued indefinitely as just a personal outlet for its three members to bond, if not for the chance alignment of one jam session with the start of the pandemic in March 2020, which resulted in the trio quarantining together and using that time to write new songs that would eventually culminate in their third full length, Somewhere Between the Power Lines and Palm Trees. Being Dogstar's first new album in almost a quarter century, this one naturally represents a significant musical evolution from its most immediate predecessor. The band's 1996 debut LP, Our Little Visionary, had more of a grunge influence, and their 2000 sophomore album, Happy Ending, saw them transitioning toward post-grunge. With Somewhere Between the Power Lines and Palm Trees, they've emphatically completed that transition. In their initial run, Dogstar were more or less following along with prevailing trends in rock music, but returning amid an era in which rock at large is decidedly outside the mainstream, the three lads are now perfectly content to just play the music that moves them, which turns out to be a mixture of 70s-style roots rock and mid-90s post-grunge. In other words, the new album is essentially Tom Petty meets Dishwalla, which is a combo I think suits the Dogstar of 2023 just fine. In terms of its musical breadth, the album sports a few rockers in opening track Blonde, closing track Breach, and middle track Lust, and a couple of ballads in Dylan Street and Glimmer, while the remaining seven tracks fall under the admittedly broad spectrum of mid-tempo. The songs here can sometimes bleed together during a cover-to-cover -cover listen, but for the most part they are quite good individually. These aren't innovative, boundary-pushing, mind-blowing songs, but they're well-conceived, aurally pleasing, and recorded with the conviction of actual friends who believe in their product and enjoyed creating it together. Keanu fans will be satisfied with the overall prevalence of his bass, offering a more compelling reason than his star power as to why Dogstar couldn't have continued without him. On most songs, his bass tracks are prominent, highly traceable, and sometimes kind of brilliant. If nothing else, somewhere between the power lines and palm trees should have you appreciating Keanu Reeves on a new level. However, you'll more than likely derive at least some rock and roll enjoyment out of it as well. Alright, I'm ending the show on what I feel to be the most striking song on the album. This is a lush, dreamy, mid-tempo number driven by a memorable bass line courtesy of Mr. John Wick. It's called Overhang. Take care, Missoula. I fall. 